Hello, welcome to the AMPS podcast. I'm Kate Davis. And I'm Andrew Wilson. We're here today ahead of the BAFTAs to talk to the incredibly worthy winners of the 10th AMPS Film Sound Award. Production sound mixer Victor Prasile, sound designers Frank Cruz and Marcus Stemmler, and re-recording mixer Lars Ginzel. We're here at the Corinthia Hotel in London, uh, courtesy of Netflix, and talking to the winners of the 2023 10th Annual AMPS Film Sound Award. Uh, we have the team from All Quiet on the Western Front. I'm going to start by talking to uh, Victor, who's the production sound mixer. We were all very impressed by the film. We think it's an, it's an incredible piece of work. When you were shooting the film... I mean, it's it's hugely complicated, and there's an awful lot of big machines, and there's there's you know tanks and lorries, and presumably a lot of people on set. Uh, was that a logistic nightmare? I I would I would not just say it was a logistic nightmare. Uh, it was well prepared, everything from uh, from the beginning to the end, and. Uh, I would like to highlight the contribution of, of uh, my assistants, Andre and Lucas, because without without them, it wouldn't have been even possible to record everything what we recorded. And also, I would like to... Uh, I, I think uh, this award is well-deserved by also by uh, uh, Edward, because... He was like a part of our our sound crew. He 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 was really great, and his approach for sound is it was enormous. I'm, I'm assuming you you also had had good collaboration with costume department and the like, because this you know the the costumes look incredibly real. Uh, the boots, for example, must have been an absolute nightmare because they look like the real deal boots with nails in the boots. So. W- w- were they helpful? Yeah, they, uh, it was. Yeah, the cooperation or collaboration between uh, us and uh, costume department was crucial for 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 us, not for them, for us. <laughs> and yeah, we we decided uh, or we realized a uh, few days before shooting that the boots has a uh, lot of s- small metal spikes. On the sole, so we made uh, 200 pairs of rubber rubber soles, and uh, yeah, that helped helped us a lot. Amazing. And also, were you given time on the set to record some of the things like the tanks and the lorries, and or was that done by a separate um, crew who were sent out to record? Yeah, we had uh, yeah we had separated crew, uh, and they they did a lot of wild tracks and production gave. Producers gave us uh, night, uh, nice, uh, nice support and time and time for for do that. They but, but you also did the the wild tracks with Edward yourself, didn't you? Yeah, that was the second part. Yeah, yeah. we had some record-breaking amount of wild tracks from Victor from set, <laughs> Un- unheard of, really. I don't know. It, it was yeah. it went in the couple, I would say, in the region of a couple of hundred. In, wow. in summary, which is like normally on on a film of this scale, you know, you you punch in a little search term for wild tracks, and it usually comes back, you know, five or ten. But this time, it was really three or four hundred uh, that we salvaged. So yeah, it was pretty unusual and wow. unique. And uh, Frank and Marcus, when were you brought on board on the project? Were you um, on it from the beginning, um, from filming? 
Um, so did you communicate with Victor from the start about what, what would be helpful to you um, back in post and things? Yeah. Uh, Edward sent me the script uh, way ahead of the shoot, so I was able to kind of read it and really wrap my head around the, the requirements. And, and since this was uh, at the peak of COVID in, in Europe and the borders were literally shut down at some point, so we couldn't travel into the Czech Republic and we would, would have run risk of being trapped there because we couldn't, couldn't have returned. Um, yeah, I, we had a chat with Victor online and flagged all the potential super important crucial vehicles, crowd obviously. And uh, yeah, it was just amazing to, to, to find out that Victor had done the same thing already and made a huge list. So we were, everything was on the same page already. So it was really, from the start, it was just a great team effort really from, from prep work through the entire post and with Edward <clears throat> as well, because he's a director. He's, he's always on the side of, of uh, the sound team. Like he spends a lot of time uh, directing crowd and extras for wild tracks on set. Can you imagine that? Usually you, no one ever risks, you know, having 300 people of crew waiting on sound for a bunch of wild tracks, but he's the type of director who knows if I can't get it here, a lot will be lost and it will be huge effort to recreate everything in post. So thanks to that, uh, the kind of documentary feel of the film was preserved uh, in the end. One of the things that, um, that he mentioned at the screening we had um, a couple of weeks ago was that uh, it was entirely shot with a single camera. Was that a big help? Did, did that help yeah. you on location? That always will help with, with, if you shoot, um, if you're shooting on one camera. Uh, definitely, definitely. And that was a decision made quite by, early in the process by Edward, by James and Edward, I think. Yeah, by the DOP yeah. and. Yeah, he mentioned a couple of times that uh, probably the documentary feel comes from that concept of not using multiple cameras. So some of the scenes are also edited like documentaries where you can't cut back and forth because you simply don't have the footage of, you know, the coverage, essentially. So it, it, that, that comes from that concept as well. One of the things that really struck me uh, about the film is the way that all the sound integrates with the score. And I wonder, at what stage did you start collaborating with the music department? Yeah, we did. I, I, yeah. Do you want to go for it? Yeah. yeah, I mean, actually, I think we started even a bit earlier than the composer, or kind of the, at the same time. So then we, uh, you know, started exchanging bounces, just uh, working process, uh, uh, from our working process. And then, um, but it wasn't like we had this huge roadmap in front of us where we, uh, you know, went through scene to scene and looked and thought about who's doing what or something. So uh, it all came together at the mixing stage and um, was a great relief. And uh, also we were kind of surprised how well it all grew together. I mean, there were some scenes where there might have been a little bit of clash, but then uh, it was such a great collaboration because we all, um, you know, there was no protecting uh, your own goods in a way. Everybody was just focused on how can we make that scene work. So, um, yeah, nobody 
there were no egos or anything, uh, so that made the collaboration really uh, beautiful. Yeah, especially the the uh, the uniform montage is probably a good example for that. Like the you know where there's there's a kind of a uh, sound design and music that borderlines between sound effects and music the whole time throughout that sequence where you know the sound of the sewing machine turns into a machine gun etc and then there's there's this pounding rhythm underneath that's partly sound effects and music which kind of reflects Edward's, Edward's idea about this war machine that he wanted to have like a metaphorical sound for the industrialized war kind of pounding away in the background and kind of making a uh, like the, because since that whole sequence is 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 a metaphorical uh, concept anyway, so that kind of reflected down into the sound and the music and kind of became this kind of more like a symbiosis than than a, you know two separate parts. So he actually looked at some sound effects like the ones that Frank just mentioned as uh, as a musical element. Already, it's already awesome. That sequence is amazing. Like when I saw it on the cinema and heard the sewing machine turning into the machine gun, I couldn't wait to watch it on the TV so I could watch it again and try and see where it transitions because it's seamless. It's funny um, because for some pe some people don't notice it that it's a machine gun because yeah. it works so well the against the picture. Yeah. Because once you see a, a sewing machine, you hear a sewing machine no matter what sound you put there. Yeah. So it's a it's a kind of a schoolbook effect in a way that. Uh, in a way, worked worked in our favor, really. And then yeah. it goes into the wheel, doesn't it? Of the the close yes, for the rattling exactly. wheel. It's a yeah. brilliant, brilliant sequence. One of the things that struck me is that I'm not a German speaker. All I know is Ein Bier bitter, uh, but I barely notice it's in German. Mm -hmm. I, I'm so uh, in the story. Uh, I think there's so much storytelling going on within the, the sound and the score, and the and the way it all comes together is. Very impressive. In fact, the only time I notice the subtitles is when there's a subtitle for a subtitle, which I think is um, quite an achievement. You know, the film is our first uh, international film to to win our award. It really is incredible that I don't even notice that it's not in a language that I'm comfortable with because I'm so drawn in. Oh, um, that's wow. a great compliment. Yeah. Well, the director I, would love you. to hear that, and, <laughs> and the writers as well, because. Yeah. It's really because there's so much um, in the film that is not told through verbalization, you know, or, yeah. or oh, some of it's just in a language, or or, mm. or or even some of the cutaways. And there's just moments for me where there was storytelling <coughs> when it seems like there's nothing happening. Mm. Um, I mean, one of the things uh, that that I always like in a, a soundtrack, loud is kind of easy. It's really hard to do good quiet. The really yeah. quiet yeah. things, the tiny noises, because they're so exposed. There's nowhere to hide. I mean, I've got a couple of favourites. There's the sound of the snow no. when when yeah. they've gone to... To the farm. They've gone yeah, to the farm yeah, to, to yeah. steal yeah. the goose. And and, and also um, there's a moth in a, a mm -hmm. glass in jar. A glass. Yeah. It's, just, yeah. it's so real. Uh, a similar thing, like the, the scene where they find all the French food in the mm -hmm. trenches there, and then you hear the tanks The coming. tank sequence, crikey. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, it builds and builds and builds and builds, and you think, you know, make it stop. Of course, it's not going to stop, which yeah. I think is fantastic. But uh, one of my other notes here is that I struggle to name an, a more dynamic-sounding film. And even the loud bits, for me, there is light and shade within the scene. I think that's 
how, how did you do it? Tell me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you know, magic uh, plug-in? Is there a magic plug-in I don't know about? It's amazing. No. Uh, well, the ingredients are um, <laughs> amazing sound design by Frank and Marcus and um, amazing preparation for the dialogue from, from Alex and just um, also because you mentioned the music earlier, like um, Daniel Cresco, um, Falker's music mixer, he's... he's they have a long-term relationship, so they know what they're doing, and and the way he prepares the tracks from the music is really, um, really solid and and thought through. So it, it's really easy to to mix the music in with other elements, and I think I'm 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 very honored that you bring up the topic of dynamics because that was something that was very important to us during the mix to. To find that right balance where um, we wanted to push all those battle sequences to the very maximum of what an audience can bear, but never beyond. So it was it, it's and and it's a very very thin line. So it um, it it was a lot about figuring out like which one layer of maybe just distant gunshots might have been too much to to make it bearable and it, you know it's not a loud sound but within the the layers of all the other sounds it was the one layer that was too much and then just trying to figure that out um was the main ingredient just trying to to figure out like what's the minimum of sound that we need so and edward was just so um he really gave us free reign it was so um he he was so he gave us such a huge amount of freedom so he just uh um so that was very encouraging yeah. generally to not hold back and and experiment and try a few strange ideas uh, before they're you know cut off by someone so that was and, and i mean you, you say he was very sound friendly but did he interfere or did he just let you do your thing I mean, during the mix, I, I, mm. the, the two comments I remember from him was, was one is, guys, this has to be more extreme. Or the other, the other comment sometimes would, would be like, guys, you are so crazy. <laughs> you know, that's the two kind of things that he would say. And, and it would come back every now and then. But it, it's, it's kind of, you know, it, it's like the film. It's not so much about what's being said, yeah. but about him being there and you feel his presence and you feel like, oh, this is in line with what he wants to tell and then you know you're on the right yeah, and spot. And he would be there all the time. Yeah, yeah. he was there he was, all the time. He was there throughout the, the entire premix. And he has a very, like, let's say, very specific, unspecific way of, of directing or yeah. giving directions. Like, for instance, for the bunker scene, he said, uh, think of Das Boot. And that was it, you know. And everyone knew what he meant exactly yeah. because... And then it's not about, you know, I need this, I need that, I need this exactly. And then everyone kind of uh, goes back to the workbench and does exactly as he said. So it, it's a very limiting way of directing. So he just said, you know, think of that board. And everyone has his own, you know, back from memory, has its own version in your head of, of the, the, the famous, infamous kind of... Uh, water bomb attack yeah. in, in this boat and then you make your own version of that and and that takes us a step further so he's a very he's a very clever director and very encouraging and yeah, yeah. so is there after having seen the film so many times now on the big screen and stuff is there anything any particular sequence that you think i wish i'd done that a bit differently or you know i wish i'd wish i could go back and change that mm. 
haven't seen it that often, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, during the mix, definitely, but like, uh, off, not with a bit of distance. I, I haven't seen it that often. I, I don't, I must say, and I rarely have this, I must yeah. say. I quite often, uh, when you go to a premiere of the films you've worked on, and it's probably four or five months after you've done it, and you sit there and all of a sudden you realize some, some, even some storylines that didn't occur to you that, or subtext that, that's in the film that didn't occur to you back then. And you kind of you pinch yourself and, and go like, ah, oh, crikey, I wish I've, I, I realized back then. But on this one, not quite, I must say. I, so I, I I'm think pretty happy. Yeah, I, I think maybe what, what's a little um, characterizing the whole thing, because I was talking with our Foley editor earlier today about it, was, you know, it's an extreme film. And it's certainly, um, it's been a not an extremely uh, generous schedule for any of us. You know, everybody had their challenges doing everything, but it's not been too challenging and it's been it's been an okay schedule to really get everything done and then atwood is is someone who's yeah okay <laughs> frank okay yeah. uh, no, eight but, weeks eight weeks nah, yeah <laughs> uh, eight, eight, but well eight eight nine, nine weeks for the initial yeah, track yeah. It, it it is it is it, it's not <laughs> wow anyway yeah. what i what it I'm wasn't trying a walk to, in the park let's put no it, it, was, it wasn't a walk in the park but it was also i mean we've all been on shows that were so much more extreme in a way in terms of schedule in terms of what was asked of us that um that was not the case it was not like this this extreme combination of everything too much in a way mm. and i think that's also in a way it's edward who's who who is a little bit like that that he it's it's focused yeah and it it has everything has its space yeah. well luckily you have to say because we got a lot of freedom to try things uh, luckily, most of these ideas actually resonated with Edward. So if yeah. that hadn't happened, uh, then we would have been very deep in mud. There, there was definitely <laughs> no room to go back to the drawing yeah. board at some yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. And one last quick question. Do you want to do another war film? I wish. We or, or do you feel like you've done that now? Maybe World War Three. Hopefully not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, um, I'm just listening to you. I think it's a, a privilege to have worked with a director who is so um, aware of the sound from pre-production, production, right the way through. And listening to you talk, I think it's one of the things that it would be great to um, play this to budding directors and producers and just hear what you've just said. You know, this is fantastic. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I, huge credit also to our producer, Malte Grunert. Yeah. I've never seen a producer. He was pretty much, he wasn't there every day, but he, he joined the entire final mix. He was there giving ideas, etc., and giving his input and making, you know, when, there, when we needed more time on a day, you know, he made it work. So it was really kind of uh, an incredible like really everyone pu was pulling the rope in the same direction there was no yeah. there was very little there was no i don't remember any fights in that in that oh, way and really frustration no so it was really exceptional in that regard so can i just ask my geeky question oh yeah go on um a geeky post question i just wanted to ask the boys um if you there's a particular plug-in or bit of uh, hardware that you couldn't have done the job without or what's your favorite um bit of software or hardware Ears. Ears, yes. <laughs> I don't think we had like too many exotic no, there's uh, not really tools. Just a basic yeah, really. just uh, what everyone uses. Sound yeah. minor, Pro Tools, 
yeah. panning volume eq eq yeah. some dynamics yeah. but microphones <laughs> Yeah. Brilliant. Well, uh, thanks Thank very much uh, to all of you. Congratulations on this award, uh, and um, thanks very much. Thank, Thank you so This is Owen Peters, just dropping in on the end of the episode to say a huge thank you to Kate Davis and Andrew Wilson for hosting this special awards episode of the podcast. Thanks also to the sound team of All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, it was great to have them on the podcast, following their well-deserved win of the Amps Film Award. We were thrilled to have them join us and tell us all about their creative processes. So if you have a project of your own that you'd like to share with us, or have any thoughts on what you'd like to hear more of on future episodes of the podcast, then please get in touch. You can reach out to us via email, which is ampspodcast at gmail.com, or via Twitter, which is at ampspodcast. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Are you looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to? Well, we're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. Be sure to hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.